Chapter Eleven of And So They Were Married by Florence Moores Kingsley. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Michelle Eaton. The roses on the tiny lawn, of which Sam had spoken, were in full bud, and Elizabeth was searching eagerly for the first streak of pink in the infant blossoms when she was surprised by the sight of an imposing equipage drawing up at the curb. The fat black horses pawed the gravel disdainfully, shaking their jingling harness, as the liveried footman dismounted from his perch and approached the mistress of the house. "'I beg pardon, miss,' he said loftily, "'but can you tell me where, er, uh, Mrs. Samuel Brewster lives?' "'I am Mrs. Brewster,' Elizabeth told him, whereupon the man presented a card with an air of haughty humility. Elizabeth's wondering eyes uprose from its perusal to the vision of a tall, stout lady, attired in purple broadcloth, who was being assisted from the carriage. The hot colour flamed over her fair face, and for an instant she was tempted to run into the house and hide herself in the neat check gingham gown she was wearing. Then she gripped her courage with both hands and came forward, smiling determinedly. The august personage in purple paused at sight of the slender, blue-frocked figure, and raising a gold-mounted lorgnette to her eyes, deliberately inspected it. "'You are Samuel Brewster's wife?' she asked. "'Yes, Mrs. Van Duser,' Elizabeth's voice trembled in spite of herself, but her eyes were calmly bright. "'Won't you come in?' she added politely. The lady breathed somewhat heavily as she mounted the vine-wreathed porch. "'I will sit down here,' she announced, magisterially. "'The air is pleasant in the country.' Elizabeth's brief experience in Boston society came to her assistance, enabling her to reply suitably to this undeniable statement of fact, that an awesome silence ensued, broke only by the bold chirp of an unabashed robin, successfully hunting worms in the grass plot. "'Where is your husband?' suddenly propounded the visitor. "'Mr. Brewster is engaged in making a topographical map for the city. "'I do not know exactly where he is this afternoon,' replied Elizabeth, her colour paling, then rising as she recalled the two well-remembered words of Mrs. Van Duser's late communication. Did you wish to see him? Mrs. Van Duser was apparently engaged in a severe inspection of the adventurous Robin. She did not at once reply. Elizabeth looked down at the toe of her shabby little shoe. Sam comes home to lunch now, she faltered. I, he hasn't been gone long. Ah, intoned Mrs. Van Duser, majestically transferring her attention from the daring Robin, to Elizabeth's crimson face. "'Samuel has neglected to call upon me since his return to Boston,' was Mrs. Van Duser's next remark, delivered in an awe-inspiring contralto, though it is evident that he owes me an acknowledgment of his present good fortune. Elizabeth fixed round eyes of astonishment upon her visitor. "'I can't think what you mean,' she exclaimed unguardedly. "'And yet I find you here, in this sylvan spot, far removed from the follies and temptations of your former position.' and I trust prospering in a modest way. Thank you, murmured Elizabeth, pink with indignation. We are getting on very well. What rent do you pay? Elizabeth looked about rather wildly, as if searching for a way of escape. The robin had swallowed his latest find with an air of huge satisfaction, and now flew away with a ringing summons to his mate. We pay thirty dollars, Mrs. Van Duser, she said slowly, by the month. Hmm, why don't you buy the place? I don't think... "'I'm sure we couldn't,' hesitated Elizabeth. "'You are wrong,' said Mrs. Van Duser, again raising her lorgnette to her eyes. "'If you can afford to pay $360 in rent, you can afford to own a home, 
and you should do so. Tell Samuel I said so. Yes, Mrs. Van Duser, murmured Elizabeth in a depressed monotone. Do you keep a maid? No, Mrs. Van Duser, I do my own housework. Elizabeth's brown eyes sparkled defiantly as she added, I was brought up to work and I like to do it. Mrs. Van Duser's large solemn countenance relaxed into a smile as she gazed into the ingenuous young face at her side. Ah, my dear, she sighed, I envy you your happiness, though I had it myself once upon a time. I don't often speak of those days, but John Van Duser was a poor man when I married him, and we lived in a little house not unlike this, and I did the cooking. Do you think you could give me a cup of tea, my dear? When Samuel Brewster came home from his work at an unexpected early hour that afternoon, he was astonished to find an imposing coupé drawn by two fat shining horses being driven slowly up and down before his door and further as he entered the house by the cheerful sound of clinking silver and china and low-voiced conversation elizabeth pink-cheeked and smiling met him with an exclamation of happy surprise i am so glad you came home sam dear she said mrs van duser was hoping to see you before she went and mrs van duser looking very much at home and very comfortable indeed in Sam's own big wicker chair, proffered him a large white jewelled hand, while she bade him give an account of himself, quite in the tone of an affectionate relative. "'You have a charming and sensible wife, Samuel, and a well-conducted home,' said the great lady. "'I have seen the whole house, cellar, kitchen, and all,' she added with a reminiscent sigh, "'and it has carried me back to the happiest days I ever spent.' The young engineer passed his arm about his Elizabeth's shoulders, as the two stood at the gate watching the stately departure of the Van Duser equipage. Well, Betty, he said. So the mountain came to Mahomet, but the mountain doesn't seem such a bad sort after all. I like the way she kissed you goodbye, though I should never have guessed she was capable of it. Elizabeth drew a deep breath. I never was so frightened in my life as when she first came, she confessed. But she is kind, Sam, in her way, though at first I thought it wasn't a pleasant way. And oh, Sam, dear, she thinks we gave up our flat and came out here just because she wrote us that letter. She was as complacent as could be when she spoke of it. Did you undeceive her? No, dear, I didn't even try. Perhaps it was the letter, partly. And anyway, I felt sure I couldn't make her think any differently, whatever I might say. But I did tell her about Anita and how thoughtless and selfish I was and... Did you tell her about the trip, lady? He suggested teasingly. No, she said gravely. Evelyn meant to be kind, too. I am sure of that. Oh, benevolent Betty, he exclaimed with mock gravity. Oh, most sapient Elizabeth. I perceive that in gaining a new friend, thou hast not lost an old one. I suppose from now on you will begin to model your small self on the Van Duser pattern. My lady will see to it that you do, if you see much of her. Elizabeth looked up at her tall husband, her brown eyes brimming with thoughtful light. It is good to have friends, she said slowly. But, Sam, dear, we must never allow any friend to come between us again. We must live our own lives and solve our own problems, even if we make an occasional blunder doing it. We've solved our problems already, he said confidently, and I'm not afraid of the blunders, thanks to the dearest and best little wife a man ever had. And Elizabeth smiled back at him, knowing in her wiser woman's heart that there were yet many problems to be solved but not fearful of what the future would bring in the light of his loving eyes. End of chapter 11 End of And So They Were Married 
by Florence Moores Kingsley. Recording by Michelle Eaton.